E-A-B-L-E-S. Ebels. Remember that name because if you suffer from chronic joint and muscle pain like me, then Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil is your answer to your prayers. The Ebels story began with the search for something natural to help manage chronic migraines. But Ebels helps more than just migraines. From managing chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more, Ebels is truly a game changer in the natural alternatives to big pharma drugs. And yours truly, Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, can indeed vouch for the quality of Ebels. Having a herniated disc in my back, Whew. coupled with years of sports injuries, I was struggling to find something, anything to help manage my pain. That is until Ebels. With the best quality product and customer service in the industry, Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil and Ebels Freeze Gel easily stand above all the competition. And right now, Ebels is offering a special discount to all members of the Brian Nichols Show audience on all orders. All you have to do is head to Ebels.com and use promo code TB. NS, the Brian Nichols Show, right? TBNS at checkout. That's it. Discount applied. Again, the code is TBNS at checkout to start managing your pain today with the highest quality CBD on the market. One more time, that is code TBNS at checkout. And now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At the Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Hey there, folks. Happy Sunday. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, starting your week off right, starting your November off right, the election. Oh, my God. It is like, what, a few days away? And yes, we are recording here on November 1st, but uh, my conversation with Kenny Cody actually comes back here from uh, this past Thursday. And uh, Kenny is the GOP chair of Cock County, Tennessee, and he's joined the show today to make his one last pitch to all voters out there Vote GOP if you are pro-liberty. Uh, and and it's an argument that I definitely empathize with. Um, so I, I wanted to give Kenny a, a great opportunity here to join the show to make his case. I Candidly, I've reached out to several folks uh, more of the libertarian-leaning left who are pro-Joe Biden and have candidly not heard anything back. So um, I, I gave the, the shot for the folks on the more left-leaning to say vote for Joe Biden if you're pro-liberty. Didn't hear anything. So hey, Kenny. Thanks for thanks for making your pitch. Hey, that, that's what it comes down to. Hey, I, I've told you guys from uh, from the beginning. I will have literally anyone, everyone on my show. You just gotta actually be willing to uh, to come on the show. And uh, hey, Kenny was able to take take the the slings and arrows right <laughs> from a libertarian, um, from some of the things that libertarians would say GOP has done wrong. And I'd say he definitely answers those questions quite well. So without further ado, a Sunday special here on the Brian Nichols Show. So without further ado, on to the show, Kenny Cody here on the Brian Nichols Show. Brian, I'm glad to be here. I enjoy your show, man. I really do appreciate the conversations you're always having when, with a high-profile conservative and li- conservative and libertarian activists, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, Kenny, let, let, you know, elephant in the room, you're not a, a, a libertarian, a big L libertarian, and that's okay. And you know what? I think at the end of the day, it's because we're focusing the same goal, and that's actually trying to enact some real liberty in people's lives. And, and you're serving... That as a, a Republican, which I, I'm all for, if, that, if that's the way you can enact liberty where you are, go for it. And you're the uh, chairman for the GOP in, in a, is it Coke County? 
Cock County, actually. Cock County. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Cock County. So talk to me. You're 24 years old. You're the chairman for a Republican Party out in your home county. How did you get to that position at such a young age in life already? Well, that's a great question. I, I was really involved in the Young Americans Foundation, Young Americans Foundation when I was in college, the YF, and I was a conservative writer for a, lo- a local newspaper, um, well, a local student newspaper for the University of Tennessee when I attended there. And uh, once I graduated, I got offered an opportunity by uh, Representative Jeremy Fajan to be his campaign manager um, for the 2018 Republican primary and Republican and the uh, general election in 2018. And just from there, uh, right after I got through that campaign, uh, I got asked to run for the for the GOP chairmanship and got elected by the uh, party members to be the chairman. Um, and I, I replaced a guy who's around 57 years old. And I think I am the youngest Republican chairman in the state of Tennessee, I, I believe. Wow. Uh, There's a guy named Joseph Duncan that was uh, pretty young, too, that was in Claiborne County. But I think he ended up resigning. So I'm, I'm, I'm currently uh, the currently the youngest. I would think so. I, from, from what I from how far. I know. I think I am the youngest. So that's how I got involved. I've been involved in politics since I was about 20, um, either as a writer or uh, taking classes and stuff like that. But I really got really involved in the Republican Party back about two years ago. You know, you're 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 speaking to what we talk about here on the show all day long, right? Is you really want to get some change enacted in your your home community and your personal lives, get involved. And I think a lot of people think that the barrier to entry into the political process, it's it's a very high bar. But in many cases, it just it just takes people to show up. And and I mean, look at you. You're you're 24. You're the chair of the the county GOP party. And you're there as a, a small L libertarian conservatarian. And you're actually having some substantive you know, conversations with some real movers and shakers. I mean, you were just talking here. We're recording on the 29th and you just had a breakfast with, with Steve Scalise. Right. And like, yeah. that's a big deal because Steve Scalise is somebody who's actually helping implement some policy, implement some, you know, some maybe some pro liberty uh, legislation that we could agree on and have some influence on. So yeah, let's build those bridges and actually have some lasting success and bringing some liberty to people where it actually matters. So let's kind of start here. I think that would be a good um, starting off point. You you approached me with this kind of mentality of libertarian slash conservative alliance. And I get a lot of pushback from my more, I would say, I don't want to say centrist libertarians because I think it's just more of like a, a just, hey, we're not Republican, we're not Democrat, we're Libertarian. I get a lot of pushback because I sometimes get told I'm empathizing too much with one particular group over another, and that Libertarianism or just the ideas of liberty, they don't necessarily know the, the party you know lines. Um, my argument is that I think I can promote more pol- you know, pro-liberty um, you know, policy through the GOP, where really, you know, for me especially where it matters, um, but I also think, you know, that we've seen from a more left perspective, focusing on criminal justice reform, um, you know, civil asset forfeiture, like I've seen Republicans being more, you know, leading those conversations than I have on the left. So I'm kind of more on your side of building the alliance on the right. I'm not going to say I'm going to, you know, close off bridges in the left, but you're focusing primarily on that conservative, uh, Republican, libertarian kind of, uh, trifecta alliance. Tell me uh, kind of what led you to, uh, that conclusion on your end. 
Well, I'll be quite honest with you. I mean, I mean, four years ago, I was more of a just an establishment conservative and just believed in conservative values, and you know, I sent, maybe using some taxpayer money to fund my conservative social beliefs and stuff like that. I mean, I admit, four years ago, I was there. I was what libertarians would call a status just four years ago. Um, but I think when I was, and I think this is the impact that I, I really want to talk about was, I of course voted for Donald Trump in 2016. I'm going to vote for him again. But one guy that I was immensely interested in 2016, even though I don't know if I would, would have voted for him ultimately, was Austin Peterson, um, who I currently write for for the Libertarian Republic. Uh, became decently good friends with him, ironically enough, because I was a big admirer of him in 2016 when he was arguing against Gary Johnson. I mean, one of the biggest cases back about four years ago was the Christian Baker, Baker case for the Supreme Court. And, you know, one of the most damning things about Gary Johnson was when, you know, during the libertarian debates, when, you know, Austin Peterson had to ask, you know, would you force a, a Jewish baker to make a Nazi cake? And I think that's a problem in the conservative movement and the libertarian movement was that they, thought, they rely on the government far too much and they were going to force people to not act on their own social views and not make their own decisions, but their private business. I mean, that was a, a eye opener for me. And I was like, you know, I, I, I that's some, kind of something I would expect from some Republicans and some conservatives. But, you know, when I heard Gary Johnson say that, and then he picked, you know, Bill Well to be his VP, I was like, you know, this problem is spanning across all three big parties, you know, the Libertarian Party, the Democrat Party and the Republican Party. You know, you're having these big, big figures in, in all the three parties wanting to enact government and wanting to punish, uh, have punishments down from government for enacting on their own social media for their own private businesses and their own private beliefs. And, you know, what I've come to find out the last few years is that I'm I'm very I'm very libertarian. I mean, I I, I would not in any way describe myself as a paleoconservative or a neoconservative at all. I mean, I, I've I promise you, I've taken every philosophy test that you can find on the internet, and I, I it keeps on popping up libertarian. Um, it, it's just very complicated for me that uh, the United States does have a two party system, whether. Whether it, you, anybody wants to say, you know, we have, we have multiple parties on the ballot, stuff like that, it's all fine and good. But until there is a completely systematical change in, in our elect, electoral base and our electoral system, I just don't believe that third parties can have that much impact. However, how I, how I do think third parties impact, and Jeremy Fajan made a good point on uh, quoting one of Austin Peterson's tweets the other day, the LP has shifted the conversation on issues such as uh, criminal justice reform, uh, civil asset forfeiture, even uh, the anti-patriot act conservatives and anti-neoconservatism. And I think that's one thing, good thing, the last four years that we've seen is when you look at what Trump has done, I would not describe it as neoconservatism. I think it was the, it's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite of the establishment Republicans wanting to infringe their, wanting to infringe federal government on their privacy, wanting to use their taxpayer money on endless wars, wanting to enact taxpayer money on, you know, locking up, up uh, nonviolent drug offenders and stuff like that. But the last four years, we've really, I think we've really seen a shift of the neoconservatives, people like, you know, Bill Crystal and Jeff Flake, other again, he shifted out of the party. And I think that's an ultimately a good thing for both the libertarian people who philosophy people and then people in the Republican Party, because the, in that that's the only thing that is keeping the Republican Party from expanding and having influence on the on the people my age. It's really the only thing. The social conservatives and, and I'm I'm really I'm a Christian, I'm a Baptist. I mean, I have social conservative beliefs, but I don't believe the federal government should take my beliefs and enact that on the, on the American electorate or the American citizens. 
what I believe is that we should allow people to have their own belief systems and, th- and things of that sort without the government's aid. And I think we are shifting towards that thought. And, and that hasn't been true the last 15 years in the Republican Party. We, we're always, we always allowed, allowed the government to be anti-gay marriage and, and, and anti-women's rights and stuff like that. But now we are just if you, the government leaves me alone, that's all we need to do. That's all. That's all the Republican Party is for right now, and I, it's it's a great shift. I think you know you're having people like Rand Paul who are speaking at these rallies for the president. I don't think Rand Paul would have spoken on behalf of Mitt Romney or John McCain, but you, but I, that that's a very noticeable difference. People say that you know Trump's not the most libertarian president of our lifetimes, I, and and I think that's just factually in, untrue because of the things that he's concentrating on, like criminal justice reform, like anti-interventionism, and. I, th- I think that he is really adapting to this libertarian mindset, at least socially, and at least yeah. at, at his approach to social issues concerning the American citizen. Because I think he knows that the majority of citizens in the United States do have libertarian philosophies. They, like when you get down to the nitty gritty, I really do believe. I don't think they want to be bothered by the government. I don't believe they want to be enacted on social conservative beliefs through the government. And the way to do that is through the libertarian philosophy. And I think Trump's really adapted to that. You know, I that's a very interesting perspective, and. I- it's one I really I haven't really focused on too much and, and shame on me. I, I should probably focus more on that because I think you bring up a, a phenomenal point. Is it fair to say, objectively speaking, that the Republican Party has gotten overtly more libertarian by and large? If we were to, you know, just on a scale of one to ten, with 10 being pure libertarian, you know, let's just like basically say if the Libertarian Party became the GOP, right? Or vice versa. Like what that would be perfect. And one being, you know, it's the polar opposite. I would say we went from like a four to a six. And that's a good like I would say that's a step in the right direction. And I, I would say to your point, is that we definitely have more libertarian or just small L liberty-leaning voices in the GOP than I would dare say we had 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, I mean, think back to to even just George Bush, 2000 to 2008. I mean, what, the most libertarian voice was really Ron Paul, but even then, he was the only voice, really. There was there was nobody else that was in Congress, and, and Ron Paul, I mean, let's be real, Ron Paul didn't really get the, the platform he did until 2008, so even then, he wasn't really a leading voice in the Republican Party, and then, you know, we, we look at the, the <laughs> we talk about the benefits of, of the libertarian philosophy, and one of the things I like to talk about is the internet. The internet is pretty much the example of what a liberty, like a true libertarian world would look like, right? If, if from, well, let's go back to like the 90s, when it was the wild, wild west, right? And there was the open market for innovation, that really gave us the opportunity as a, a more radical but not necessarily radical. It's more so people that I say people, the people in control didn't want other folks to hear this, this new, more, um, you know, relatable approach to not hurting people, not taking their stuff, this small L libertarian ideal. So what do they do? They, they, they don't talk about it. But now with the advent of the internet in the nineties, it was hard to control that. Now you can have people start to talk about this stuff. And it was actually showing that our ideas in action were not only working, but actually giving us as, as a third party more voices. And then to your point, right, right now it is, it's tough for a third party to get really, you know, moving anywhere. But we, thank God we have, we have folks like Aaron Hamlin, the Center for Election Science, you know, they're going to, to cities like Fargo, North Dakota, and they're completely revamping the entire electoral system there. So instead of the archaic pick one voting system, putting in systems like uh, the approval voting system that, that Aaron champions, you know, I'm a big fan of, of a board account, ranked choice voting, a hybrid system. 
you know, I think we we could easily see in the next 10 years, just with the the you know continual progression of technology alone, that it's going to make it easier for us to continue to make our arguments in this pro-liberty mindset, because really what's been the arguments in the past as to why we can't do this libertarian experiment in a, a real you know practical way is because it wasn't feasible. But now with you know the technology advancing as it is, it's making it more and more feasible. We're seeing it in real time. And I mean, let's be real, the writing's on the wall. It's kind of hard to deny the obvious. I think the genie's out of the bottle. And and Ken, Kenny, to your point, right now, I I, I would dare agree with to say I, I agree with you in the argument that the GOP probably is going to be the best means from one of the two parties that we have right now at the top to actually get some liberty you know goals in action not to say that we can't find some folks on the left every now and then we can make some agreements with like the Tulsi Gabbards in the world but like sure. that I would say there's less of Tulsi's than there are of Massey's Rands and Amash's mm-hmm. well absolutely and I think I, I, I just seen such a shift I mean I remember in the primaries like my father, my father was a you know a, a Jeb Bush fan at, at, at first, and then he saw Trump talking about and calling out you know how the Iraqi War was 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 a mistake, and and I know as Republicans we all said at that point I was sort of just an establishment traditional conservative. We all went went you know really mm-hmm. why why would you why why would you say that you know it was almost like we got offended for George Bush, but then he started talking about it and he started talking about it and nothing he said was wrong, and I and that was really my first exposure to like the the anti-interventionist mindset he started talking he started doing criminal justice reform when he got in office and, and I, I do thank president trump for that i i i think it's very good that he has opened a lot of establishment conservative you know values into the gop and even the establishment conservatives such as i mean i, I wouldn't necessarily view you know people like Lindsey Graham or anybody else like that, or people in the Senate as exactly libertarian. But then the, those same, those same individuals, besides people like, you know, Tom Cotton, a lot of those same Republicans voted for the first step step act in the U S Senate, which was the biggest criminal justice reform bill in, in the really the history of the United States. And when, when I noticed that, you know, Republicans are really starting, you know, a lot of establishment conservatives are starting to get it. You know, I mean, the people same people like Ted, Ted Cruz, people like Rand Paul, people like Mike Lee had this libertarian, mindset and they are some of the biggest voices in the party i mean you, you don't hear that much about these sort of status status republicans in the innocent anymore They're the voices that you hear people like tim scott people like ted cruz mike lee and Rand paul and i think that giving the voices to those small government small l libertarian republican senators and congressmen with people like thomas massey massey people like my friend tim tim, tim burchett um people like matt gates i think matt gates has been a, a, a he's very underrated in my opinion in his libertarian mindset when where he has advocated for the decriminalization of marijuana, he's advocated for anti-interventionalism. Has has uh, advocated for you know the release and at least the uh, pardon of Edward Snowden. I mean, look, look at all these things that this guy supports. I mean, and he's one of the, of the biggest voices in the, in the Republican GOP. Uh, caucus in these House of Representatives. I mean, you're not seeing people like Liz Cheney have the voice anymore. They may, may they may, may still have the voice in D.C., but when you're talking about national basis and an outreach to Republicans and even libertarians who might come over and switch to your party to vote for you, Matt Gates, Rand Paul, Mike Lee, um, and Thomas Massey are the people that are there, and they're who people Republicans are listening to. I mean, you have your Josh Hawley's, you have your Nikki Haley's, and not, not necessarily that, that, that I don't like, like them for, for, their, um, for their good benefits that they are to the party but the biggest voices that appeal to people to, to independence and your even your big l libertarians and small l libertarians i think have the vis- biggest voices in the party right now 
And I think that's such a change in, in what we've saw from, you know, Ron Paul of past, the Jim DeMintz of pasts, the people who are always small government for a long time. And, you know, I, I tweeted something the, the other day about Ron Paul's campaign. I think if Ron Paul would have ran in 2016, I think he may have won because Ron Paul, Ron Paul was the first social media candidate. He, I, I watched a huge documentary. I think the PBS did on, on him on YouTube the other day. And he was really the first presidential candidate to use things like Facebook, MySpace, even Twitter in 2012. He was the first social media candidate. And I think, like you said, when we've seen on social media, the things that people advocate for are not these establishment conservative or establishment democratic neoliberal and neoconservative policies. There are the libertarian philosophy policies. And I think there is too much of a threat on the left right now of big government, of them wanting to do things like raise the minimum wage, have universal health care. Um, do, uh, spend taxpayer money on, on environmentalist policies, eliminate oil and gas, eliminate fracking. I, I personally believe, and, and this is a, a mindset that I, I that I really took back in college when I was trying to figure out who to be for and try to be, figure out who, who I was as a political mind, was it's called, it's like a net balance, like a, like the net benefits. Do do, do the G, does the GOP have more net benefits than the Democrat party. Does. Oh, Kenny, you're making me smile because so now you're talking about my college. Like this is what I do, right? So I was political science. Yeah. This is called strategic voting. Um, and yeah. this is literally exactly what I think a lot of <laughs> a lot of libertarians don't know is you know they don't know what really strategic voting is and 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 the value of it. And you have to be objective and you have to look at things in a case by case basis. You have to have nuance. You have to allow context. And unfortunately, there's a lot of libertarians who get too stuck in, honestly, in partisan politics, which is yes. ironic because that's the thing they preach about getting away from the most. And um, they'll they'll you know they'll let perfection be enemy of the good. So instead of looking, you know, let's say you, for example, you're a libertarian candidate running against Thomas Massey. I would be like, what are you doing? Stop it. Exactly. Like, I've had Thomas Massey on my show. I have asked him the tough libertarian questions. And guess what? He passed with flying colors. Like, I don't, I don't know, like, what more you need from someone. Like, do you need them to be literally, like, citing, like, quote, inverse Murray Rothbard every single time they open their mouth? I don't know what you need from them yes. to be perfect yeah. for you. But, like, if you're now, now, for example, Tom Cotton is running up unopposed in Arkansas. And guess what? Ricky Dale Harrington is running as a libertarian against him. I would say, hey, why not support the, the, you know, the libertarian in that kind of a race? Because in that kind of a race, your average voter would see the, the two person dynamic and it'd be easier for them to understand, okay, this is the incumbent Republican. And then this is the person, whoever it is against that person. So if you have the ability to vote for your disaffection, you can do that in that case. And in this, in that example, you can actually vote for somebody who more aligns with your principles. But again, it really does come down to what you consider to be the most important things to you. And, and this is the other thing that drives me crazy about libertarians, right? And I say this from, from both big L and little L libertarians by and large is that we, we talk about often who's not a real libertarian, right? We always say, we well, don't listen to that person. They're not a real libertarian. What a collectivist mindset that is to, to not let the individual be the individual. We have these rules. Now, yes, we do have 
two rules. Don't hurt people. Don't take people's stuff. But I would argue if you're in that frame of mind, you're a libertarian. Like, I don't need you to pass my, you know, 100 question libertarian purity test to to get, you know, confirm that you're a libertarian. And, and to your point, Kenny, going full circle, that's how you actually get more liberty oriented policy into action. Because right now we have what one libertarian congressman on a national yeah. level. And he didn't get elected as a libertarian congressman either. And that's no disrespect to Justin Amash. He's a good friend of the show. And and I personally, I want to see him be successful in future elections as a big L libertarian. But we have to also address where we are in historical context. We're not at a position really to be so pick and choosy that we're pushing people away who could be potential allies to then help us become a real legitimate you know, force on a national stage to then have a real voice at the table. And that's what we're missing right now is that seat at the table to bring forward a voice. And to your point, where's the best chance to get that voice at the table right now? I would dare say, looking at the Republican Party, it makes sense to, to use the Republican Party. Yeah, the GOP is not overtly libertarian, but I mean, has the Libertarian Party been overtly libertarian? No, I mean, uh, our yeah, last candidate, our last VP candidate, just proudly said he voted for Biden and Harris. I mean, exactly. come on, exactly. if we're gonna hold these purity tests, let's at least you know hold up a couple of mirrors, eh? <laughs> well, and I think that's that's something that I always laugh at, and I, and especially Austin Peterson has been fantastic the past month on Twitter because. He has this. He's get a, he gets attacked all the time because he's not a real libertarian because he ran on the GOP ticket in in, in Missouri for Senate. He now has pre- pretty much publicly stated, "You all need to vote for Trump if we want any any hope of libertarianism being a philosophy in the United States and being successful and being successful in policy." Um, and 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 I, I think it's so hilarious because I I think I think there's a lot of libertarians right now. Unfortunately, I, I don't know if it's just because he's the incumbent, but I think unfortunately there are a lot of libertarians that that would laugh at a Trump loss. It, they'd rather have a Biden presidency just to rub it in Republican noses because we've taken on this fascist. But one of the one of the best points that I think Peterson made, I, I keep bringing up Austin because I think he 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 and I are so aligned on this subject was. This fascist thing is, is it's one of the dumbest. It's one of the dumbest things on the, on the internet because I, I remember that, like in my mentions, I get I get name called for my articles and stuff all the time, and Trump gets called a fascist all the time. And I'm like, you know, ne- no president probably in modern history has had more of an opportunity to be a fascist than Donald Trump had during the lockdowns. Yep. Yet, yet he let the governors and the and the and Stuck to states' rights policy. He took an overtly let, federalist and, approach. How about overtly, that? I, I couldn't. Oh wow! I thought he was supposed to be a fascist. No, we we no. I'm sorry if you're in the, on the left or the libertarian left. You want Biden in there to actually enact anti-federalist policies and take it over just because orange man bad and I hate his, what he tweets. Like it, it's the dumbest thing in the world. And, and I will if you want to call him a fascist, whatever. Like you, you just don't probably don't know anything about politics. But he had prime opportunity, prime opportunity. And every every Democrat in the world was rooting for his fascism. If he would have shut the country down, they would have called him a fascist. He didn't shut the country down. They called him a fa- they called him a fascist anyway. So who cares? Like, it, it, but from me as a, as a, like you said, a small L libertarian Republican, that was something that I really admired because every doctor, every, you know, every 
expert, if we want to put that, that, that in parentheses, said you need to lock the country down. He didn't. He let the state governors, their legislatures, their state senates, and their local leaders decide what was best for their state and their communities. And that is what federalism is all about. That's what libertarianism is all about. Yep. And 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 I, I, it was crickets. It was crickets during all that time. Everybody expected Trump to shut the country down and for him to have control and sit in the National Guard to make people put masks on and stay in their homes. And he did not do that. And I, I think it's one of the best arguments that I've heard in adherence to, to President Trump and that Austin Peterson made was he had the opportunity and he didn't do it. And all these fascist claims, and I think Austin himself said in 2016 that Trump was going to be a fascist president, and, and he ended up not being one. And Austin admitted he was wrong about that. And, it, and it's it's such a strange argument to me. And I and I think that to appeal to libertarianism, you have to look at policy. I'm so tired of people looking at the president's Twitter looking at what he said at rallies to rile his base up. And they base their opinion off of the president, the Republicans, the senators, and the congressmen based off what they say at political rallies. God forbid you want to get your base riled up a little bit. Look how they vote on bills. Look at their freedom score. Go look Go look at 538. Look how they voted on bills and look at the policies they got passed. If you compare the Trump, the Trump, Trump, the Trump administration's policies to the Joe Biden policies, if you're a libertarian and you don't think Trump is better than, than Joe Biden on policy, I've really got nothing for you. It's like what Austin said on Twitter the other day. Another good point. Sorry again to read up Austin, but he's he's been on the money on this. If you're going to vote, if you're between Biden and LP and Jorgensen, then vote Jorgensen. If you're between Biden and Trump and you're a libertarian, then you vote Trump. Uh, it, it is the easiest decision in the world. Vote on policy. I don't know how many times I have to tell you people my age and everybody else, get off Twitter, get off Instagram that's telling you, you to vote because they want you to vote for Joe Biden. These little these voter systems in these on social media do not want you to, if they, if they know who you're voting for, they wouldn't encourage you to vote anyway. But go on there and look at policy. Go to isidewith.org. Go to your, go and find out your philosophy on politics, your philosophy on policy, and then vote. And I guarantee you a majority of the country would side with Donald Trump and and probably Jorgensen if she's on the list than Joe Biden but they want to judge not just Trump it's not tr- about Trump it's about candidates they want to judge on, on what they say on Twitter what they've said in committee what they've said uh, at rallies what they've said at town halls none of that matters go look what they've done on policy and if you can't look at the Trump administration and the and the potential Biden Harris administration and say that Trump is not more libertarian than Joe Biden is and more small government than Joe Biden is I don't think you know politics and you really need to read more I, I, I hate to sound condescending, but you all really need to, to need to focus on policy a lot more than you do. And I think that's a problem in the country is people are not policy centered enough. And I think now there is a fair criticism for folks, especially who are big L libertarians or just, you know, they're fundamental conservative libertarian fiscal hawks, whatever it may be. They say, like, look at the GOP's done some overtly, though, non-libertarian things. We just inflated the deficit by how many trillions of dollars in this COVID lockdown. We, we and, and I think that we have to you know say, yes, those are fair arguments. But to your point, you need to be able to weigh objective, you know, ob- empirical data that you can refer back to and say like what is more net objective good versus the other objective good from from the other side right and and we do have to to kind of look at it in that perspective because elephant in the room libertarians aren't going to win this election it's it we get it it's okay like we understand that we've come to accept that we we've been relegated right. to third place since our, our our foundation pretty much but 
if you know if you're in a state and and this is you know unfortunately I say unfortunately because this is not a, a sales pitch but this is the argument that Joe Jorgensen's been making is that you know if you're in a state that's a solid state and it's not going to be switching you know any party so if you're in New York State right and you're a Democrat and you're tired of the Democratic Party vote for Joe Jorgensen right if you're in Texas and you're tired of the Republican Party vote for for Joe Jorgensen if you're a Republican and and I mean I don't think necessarily it's a winning argument but it does kind of stick to the the argument that she's been or that we're been making here in the show about the libertarian party being a value and that is it does kind of serve as that rudder if you will to to try and guide the the the, the ship where it needs to go and sometimes you start to steer a little too far to the left on certain issues and and quite frankly sometimes we start to you know steer too far to the nationalist populist right on some issues and and you know again we have to have that that little bring back to i think again which would be some common ground and that is a fundamental agreement to not hurt people and, and not take people's stuff. And I think if we continue to make those arguments each time we see the the you know one side go to the extreme left or the other side to the extreme right, and we we always bring back with that argument that we will be the ones that constantly in, in the you know the the twenty twenty uh, hindsight of history will be in the right. And and historically we we've been able to do that as big L libertarians or self identified libertarians from a, just a pure principled ideological standpoint so i mean i would say we need to just keep being consistent keep being vocal and to your point you know for folks that even if you're not a popular opinion like austin is making right now as a, a former big l libertarian being a member of the gop so what speak up right. say say and this is the thing that drives me crazy there for every single person out there who is ashamed or they're afraid of speaking out know that there are probably 10 to 20 other people in your immediate circle of friends who think just like you and they're terrified as well um i talk to people all day long who they're just afraid of talking they don't want to to, they're afraid of being shamed they're afraid of cancel culture like all this stuff like oh am i gonna have a tweet from 10 years ago pop up and it's like it's not fair that we that you have to approach life that way if if you believe something stand up say it say it with your chest say it with pride and and yes i mean there are people who who, who they've completely abandoned austin from the, the libertarian movement and it's sad because you know they're doing it entirely because austin's it's he's saying what he's believing now is austin being incendiary in some of the posts for the sake of trying to make points yeah. yes and that's the yeah. point that's what he's trying to do he's trying to make you angry and upset to understand that maybe hey we do have some of our own cognitive biases that we have to deal with or, or cognitive cognitive distance uh, dis- that is like we have to address these things on our own before we can start you know trying to correct other people which ironically enough to like the jordan peterson approach to, to life but also kind of it's an overwhelmingly libertarian approach you have to take care of yourself first before you can try to start fixing things in society i mean how could you be a 500 pound dude and then try to give you know some some model fitness advice it, like you know she you're you're not you're not pretty enough it's like oh okay sure you you tell me mr you, just, you know slob with the pizza and stain your shirt like that's not how this works and and unfortunately that's kind of what libertarians have been character uh well characterized but it's more of a caricature if you will um and for right or for wrong i mean sometimes we we put the onus on ourselves i hate this you know bringing up the you know james weeks uh uh, on stage dancing on stage at the convention in 2016 i hate to do it because like it's not fair that that's something that people think of but like to your average exactly it it is planted in in the the confines of their mind but I'm getting away with myself here. Kenny, we are unfortunately at the point where we do have to start wrapping up. But I mean, I think this has been a very strong appeal to a strategic voting approach. And I I definitely I see the merit. And I'm going to say, too, 
to make sure I'm being fair, it's okay, especially if you are in areas that are more left-leaning, if you can find somebody who is a big D Democrat, that they are, you know, a more libertarian-leaning uh, individual on certain issues. Let's, you know, if they're making social issues their number one priority and like they're like yeah we're cool like whatever the tax rates you want like that's not what we care about work with them mm-hmm. right and instead of like saying oh i'm not going to talk to them because they're a democrat no talk work with them on those issues build some trust build some common bonds and then when the time comes that they're asked questions on taxes you can say hey listen i do have an opinion on this will you listen to me really quick and then yes. you have influence, right? And that's how we build we build the relationships. That's how what we've doing here in the Brian Nichols show. It's how we sell liberty. Um, mm-hmm. but that being said, Kenny, your your pitch to not just libertarians out there to vote GOP, but, <laughs> but to maybe some Democrats out there, because that is your your appeal. Let's uh see. The final pitch. Get them over on your side, my man. My my appeal is if if you care about social issues, then then you should be with the libertarian leaning GOP uh, representatives in Congress and Senate, uh, and activists like myself, because people like me don't care, and that should be the entire basis of our mindset. We shouldn't care. Equality means that we shouldn't judge people by their sexual identity, their religion, or anything else. We should just judge them about how they treat us and how they treat the world. We should not give favor to anybody of how they believe or what's kind of, what their color of their skin is, what religion they believe in, or, or what their political philosophy is. It doesn't matter. And I, and I don't believe that is the left right now, and I think that's the GOP. I, 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 and I will say, and I, I am willing to admit, it was probably not that way about five or ten years ago, but it is right now. I, I know there are still status Republicans, and I know there are still status, status conservatives and the Christian conservative base. I am a Christian myself, but there, there are still those social conservatives who do want that status Republicanism. But I believe the GOP is shifting forward. I believe that, that we are a small government party right now. I believe that we have passed more libertarian and uh, pro-criminal justice reform, pro-anti-interventionalist policies, things that people should really be caring about and the things that we should be prioritizing the GOP has passed in the last four years, and I believe we should pass it for four more. Um, I, I believe the left is they, – they like to say they're an open tent. And they just aren't. They they just aren't. I mean, there is a I, Steve Scalise made a great point today. Uh, there was a guy in Texas who the only the only thing that he was against I forget what his name is and I and I, and I wish I knew it. Um, but the only non sort of leftist policy he believed in was that he was pro life. And AOC and the left part of the GOP, uh, the Democratic caucus in the House had him primaried and beat because he had one policy that they didn't agree with. But then you look at people like Rand Paul, who, you know, proposed the Breonna Taylor Act that probably a lot of Republicans believed in, but they're not going to try to primary him to get him out of the caucus. They know how valuable he is to the libertarian, to the libertarian and Republican movements. He's valuable to the GOP and the LP, and that's what the, the Republicans know. They're not going to try to primary somebody or get them out of their party just because of, of a policy difference or a philosophical difference. The GOP is the open tent party. I hate to really break that to Miguel libertarians, but it is. It is. If you're looking at the right or the left who are going to take office and power in this country, the GOP is the open tent and i welcome anybody if they want to have a conversation with me read my articles get in my get in my dms whatever find me and i we, we will talk and i promise you we will agree on more than we disagree on 
I'll make sure. There we go. As my mic finally turns on, I'll make sure, Cody, that I, uh, Ken Cody, I'll include all your links to social media in uh, the show notes so folks can go ahead and reach out to you. Uh, but yes, all the articles you've been doing over the Libertarian Republic, you actually did some stellar ones there with uh, Amy Coney Barrett, which I wanted to talk about, which we didn't end up talking about at all. Uh, that's okay, though, because you know what? I think this actually was more important of a conversation because, candidly, I've, I've kind of done this conversation about um, Amy Coney Barrett in the past, and we, we discussed at length kind of like the implications, and I think, you know, your article was stellar, so I mean, I'm going to make sure we include that in the show notes so people go go ahead and check that out. But uh, otherwise, my man, Kenny, thank you so much for for all you're doing, obviously, at TLR, but also all the work you're doing um, you know, behind the scenes, also at Cott County GOP Chair. Kenny Cody, thank you for joining the Brian Nichols Show. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it, man. A quick read from our new sponsor, and that is the Expat Money Show. Now, if you are a longtime listener or even a relatively new listener here on the Brian Nichols Show, then you remember our good friend, Mikkel Thorup from the Expat Money Show. What an episode. To learn that just because you were born in one country doesn't mean that you have to pay your taxes there forever to do your banking there, or to have your investments there, raise your family there, or even have your companies register there, learn there, get your kids educated there or even live your life there. How about that? You can go ahead and live your life wherever it is you see fit. Because the Expat Money Show, which is hosted by our friend Mikhail Thorup, originally started as a podcast, but has grown to a worldwide community of entrepreneurs who are living international location independent lifestyles. Mikkel is focused on helping you live an international life by looking at problems through the lens of global solutions. In this day and age, there is no reason you should let borders get in the way of having the best the world has to offer. So, Brian Nichols Show audience, head over to the Expat Money Show today. Give Mikkel a subscribe, a fantastic show, and tell him that Brian Nichols sent you. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my Sunday special here bonus episode election 2020 special with Kenny Cody Cock County GOP chair making his case if you are pro liberty vote GOP definitely a case I empathize with and again hey I gave the left libertarians a chance if you want to make your pitch pro Biden you had it didn't hear back sorry hey it was worth a shot but I did I definitely I'm gonna say this right now I'm voting Joe Jorgensen right uh and I'm gonna kind of finish today's episode i've been asked a lot brian what are you doing right um brian you've been retweeting a lot of pro trump stuff what are you doing brian you 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 seem to be more empathetic towards the gop here's here's the dirty rotten truth right and uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of leave uh the the discussion about 2020 um from my standpoint going forward here both yes suck trump and biden both suck um i think it's very easy you see that I, I am not voting <laughs> for either of those two uh, two nominees for the GOP or the Democrats. I'm voting 100% for, for Dr. Joy Jorgensen. I've had Dr. Jorgensen on the show twice. Um, she has definitely been able to answer the questions that we libertarians ask most effectively because, yeah, she is a libertarian. Now, do I think that there are things that could have been done better in the Jorgensen campaign from a marketing standpoint, a sales standpoint? Absolutely. And I, I would absolutely find fault with a pretty much any libertarian uh, nominee out there, likely from a, a marketing or you know sales strategy standpoint. However, I firmly believe that if we want to see things change, then we have to be the change that we want to see first. Um, it, it starts with us acting differently, behaving differently, and voting differently. So 
I'm voting differently. Uh, and, and I know that there's a lot of Republicans on the show that are listening that are upset and probably a lot of uh, lefties upset, too, because I'm not playing the, the, the team game. I'm not playing red team, blue team. And I'm sorry, done playing that game. Uh, and I think a lot of Americans out there are getting tired of the game, too. Now, with that being said, I do definitely hear the argument from, you know, like Kenny here did for uh, for his argument that the GOP is definitely more sympathetic, I would say, towards a small L liberty approach to life and to governing. However, the GOP has dropped the ball a lot. Um, so I will continue to be a, a an objective third party, not a big, uh, big L libertarian third party, but an objective third party. You know, I will call balls and strikes as I see them both from libertarians, Republicans and Democrats. And, and I'm sorry, libertarians, just because you have the big L next to your name does not mean that you instantly earn my support. Um, I, I've had Dr. Jorgensen on the show twice explicitly to ask her those tough questions. And, and I will say that she has given me sufficient answers for said tough questions. And, and candidly, I don't feel that there's anything wrong to vote with your principles. Uh, vote for somebody you believe in. And that's what it really comes down to. But down ballot, look in, and really objectively measure what uh, you know what your vote's going to do as well from a local standpoint. Strategic voting is a real thing, guys. Don't pretend it's not. So if you if you find a pro-liberty candidate that's a Democrat, vote for them. Pro-liberty candidate that's a Republican, vote for them. I know Theodore at crowdfunded government right now is is beaming from ear to ear because it's true. And I've never been against the idea of of supporting other parties so long as they are, you know, going out of their way to promote liberty. So support candidates where they're supporting liberty, be they Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, I don't care. But at the end of the day, let's just always try to uh, to move the needle towards the side of liberty. So that's my my little uh, ending rant here as I approach this election um, coming up here on Tuesday, vote your, your heart, vote your principles. I'm voting George Jorgensen for president. Um, you know, enthusiastically, I'm voting if I could vote <laughs> for, for New York State Assemblyman Mark Walzak up in northern New York as a GOP candidate. I would do that. If I was in Georgia and I was voting for U.S. Senate, I'd be voting for Brian Slowinski and Shane Hazel. There are so many different candidates out there, regardless of the letter next to their name, that are great candidates that we can go out and support. So I encourage you, please go out of your way, folks. Get involved in your local elections. Look for those candidates. Candidates that are both uh, representing your ideas as, as pro-liberty candidates, but also who are going to represent your community's ideas uh, from a best perspective as we can in a more pro-liberty, pro-freedom approach. So looking forward to this week, guys. I said it last week, a lot of great shows coming up here. Brian Slowinski, Peter Quinonez, and yes, Ian Dunt from, from politics.uk.co. Three great episodes coming up here on The Brian Nichols Show. So make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. While you're there, give us a rating and review. Why not? Five stars would be nice. But don't miss a single episode here on The Brian Nichols Show. So with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Kenny Cody. We'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.